Hi everyone, I'm Yolanda and you're tuning in to She Goat, the podcast that's all about celebrating women in sports. We are also here to chat about the stuff that matters like confidence, body image, mental health, career, failures and a whole lot more. Today we have a very special guest, Canadian ice hockey player Marlene Boissonneau. Hi Marlene, thanks for being here. I came across this interesting study done by Dav and Nike and it really got me thinking. So they found that low body confidence is the number one reason teenage girls drop out of sports. Now, you being a professional hockey player, I would really love to hear a personal take on this. How has your journey in sports shaped your body image and self-confidence? I would say it definitely helped me build confidence. I think it mostly comes from the fact that you're surrounded by a very strong group of girls that create this friendship. And for me, I grew up with five siblings that are really close in age as well. So I was able to be on teams with them. So throughout that whole idea of having friends and having that support, you kind of create that confidence within yourself, but also within your um, group of peers, group of friends. Because for me growing up, I was always the average kid in terms of height, in terms of all this stuff um, on the ice, in terms of performance, I was never really kind of a top tier athlete until later on in my maybe high school years. So for me, it was all about having fun and kind of overlooking the body image kind of thing. Um, but for me, I think since my family was so close in age, I was able to have them as teammates very often. So it was very much so geared towards having fun versus anything body image related or um, spending time overthinking that concept. So for me, having fun kind of overruled all that, all of those things because through having fun, that developed a lot of confidence within me. So what was mind-blowing to me was that this research found that 52% of girls that quit sports received a negative comment about their appearance. And the paper was also providing uh, parents with some suggestions on how to raise body-confident daughters And one of these tips was to shift their focus from their appearance to their abilities and also to encourage the young girls to take part to the games for fun and for friendship as this can really help with building self-esteem and motivation. So to your point, I guess that body confidence can be a byproduct of practicing sports since a young age. And to me, I think the body confidence thing for me was I've always been kind of a, a big girl in terms of I'm 5'10". I carry a lot of muscles. I'm a big girl in that sense. So for me, if ever I was to be someone to look at a scale, the scale would be very, very counterintuitive for me or just very misguiding. Or even if you look at BMI, for example, that's another one that athletes should stay away from because those are very much so indicative of the general population, not including athletes. Athletes themselves need a certain amount of muscle and even fat, right? Like, especially us female, we can't run on bare minimum fat, especially as athletes, right? You need that kind of energy resource and you need that body healthy kind of foundation to be able to perform. And especially at this level where most of the girls um, that play the professional sport carry a lot of muscle mass. So if you look at a scale, Even for any athletes, really, if you look at a scale and you compare that to any other girls at school that don't play sports or any other girls at school that have completely different genes, then you can fall into that kind of negative loophole of thinking, wow, on the scale, I'm 20 pounds heavier, 30 pounds heavier, 40 pounds heavier. 
right? So that very much so becomes um, needing to kind of make your own research. And here's who I am. Here's X, Y, Z. Here's what my genes look like. Here's what my sport requires. And also just the simple idea of, hey, I am someone who carries a lot of muscles. So if I look at just the scale and I compare it to someone else who's beside who has never done sports, if I were to just look at that, it'd be I'd be in for a rude awakening. But truthfully, when you look at the differences, for me, it's it I had to learn it. Like, okay, I weigh this much compared to my peer who doesn't play sports, which is completely normal. At the end of the day, we're both healthy in our own ways, and that to me is success. And if we talk about uh, body and sport, one thing that comes to my mind is the topic of comparison. So comparison is part of competition and athletes compare themselves to others to, for example, assess their skills, their performance. And I think it can be a source of motivation. It can drive people to improve. And I think it's all about balance. So I was wondering, did you ever catch yourself looking at other female athletes and thinking, am I doing enough? Or do I need to look a certain way to excel in my sport? I think we're all human and we're all guilty to wanting to compare each other. We're, we're kind of creators of um, creatures of patterns and all that stuff. So at the end of the day, when you see something and um, there's this idea with social media that unless you see the abs, unless you see the muscle structure, unless you see the veins on the biceps, the veins on the forearm, then you're not sitting in your ideal look, Right. And that is very much so created by society. And oftentimes social media, as you would know, is very unrealistic, right? It's created with a standard of, there's a lot of editing. There's a lot of all these crazy things. And I think within the sport themselves, I've been very fortunate that my teammates are outstanding people and outstanding athletes. And we all push ourselves to the barrier of optimal performance. And whatever that looks for you, if you're performing, it doesn't matter how you look. Because at the end of the day, the sport is performance-based and we're all sitting in a place where we've done our research, we've done our nutritional kind of assessments and training and all this stuff, right? Where we know, hey, she might look different than I do, but at the end of the day, we're both able to perform. So I've kind of put myself in that mindset of, you know what, if I see someone who has all eight abs and I only have six, at the end of the day, it doesn't affect me because I know that I can perform. Where it would start to affect me is if ever I wouldn't perform then maybe that's where I would have a different mindset. But truthfully, for me at this point in my time, in my life, I've come to learn that I need what I need to perform, but I could definitely see there being that difference. And when you see a girl in the dressing room thinking, wow, like she looks great. Why don't I look this way? And I think that's when you got to do your kind of internal research of what mm -hmm. do I need to perform? And that looks different from everyone. It's not a cookie cutter fit. Everybody's going to look different. We all have different genes, different looks, different requirements right we can't have that very low percentage of fat because we're not going to be able to function as women right at the end of the day we cannot run on 10 body fat eight percent body fat seven percent body fat and now, unfortunately i've seen so many women in the sport trying to bring that body fat percentage so low that they don't have their period they don't have their regular hormonal balance and they're seeing a lot of issues outside of hockey and oftentimes it takes them away from hockey takes them away from the sport because they can't perform because the base base need of being a woman is not met. So there has to be a balance there between the sport and the reality, which is just life. And talking about our body and talking about sports, women's sports, another thing that comes to my mind is period. 
is it still taboo or probably it's just, you know, it's an unspoken topic, but it shouldn't be an embarrassment, you know. I think we all play a role in like making this an open dialogue and we saw a change in attitude with Wimbledon. They finally dropped their all-white dress code uh, after female players raised this issue about period anxiety and worries about having to play in all white. But isn't just crazy that we still use all these code words uh, when talking about something as natural as menstruation. Even with my friends, sometimes I have some friends that still do not name it, you know. And I'm like, why don't you call menstruation by its name? Just say the damn name. Because by not naming a thing, we reinforce the idea that the thing should not be named. Uh but why do you think it's still such a taboo and how can we all chip in to make it a more open and comfortable conversation for female athletes, but for women in general? Well, for me, I think there's definitely a taboo there. Um, I think it's not discussed enough because for me, like I said, I've done my research. I'm at a point in my life where I need to perform and it's performance on demand. So you need to know your cycle. You need to know hey, the week before training, you're likely to be a little bit weaker or feel at least a little bit weaker because your body is doing so much more. Or for me, nutritional side, I know that when the period comes or whatever it might be, then you need to increase a little bit your carbohydrates because that's how your body's going to perform at its best. But also there's so many factors that go into it that it all comes down to that confidence aspect again. And you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, it's very much so, so little spoken about that it creates this taboo feeling of, oh, we can't speak about it. We're walking on eggshells, right? And I'm very fortunate where us at our level, we're so comfortable with one another that we ask, we, you know, it's still something that we're all learning and it's going to be forever a learning curve, right? Because at some point we're all going to be women that either want kids or have to go through that process. So it's all something that we got to make sure that we stay healthy. And for us, sports is one thing, but we know as female athletes that it's not going to be everything and we're not going to be able to do it till the end of time. And I think in the professional realm is very nice, but at the younger levels, minor hockey and things like that, it is very much so under um, discussed. And I think the information is not quite provided to the girls as it should be. And I do hope that one day that information is much more easy to reach for them or somewhere where at least they can be, feel comfortable to discuss it. At the end of the day, it's a very, um, I think, under discussed subject in general, just because there is this idea of needing to be perfect and needing to perform and needing to have no, um, you know, negative day or bad days. Like, especially in the sport, you are always thinking, if I take a day off, somebody else is putting in the work. And it's such a bad mindset. And it is a very realistic mindset of if you want to take a day off because you don't feel good, because your legs are sore, because whatever it might be, you always feel like you're being putting, putting yourself in a disadvantage. So I think that's where the whole idea of the taboo mindset behind it, it's almost like it's a weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Versus it's a completely natural thing. And the healthier it is, it honestly will make your performance that much better. And the more you can control it and the more you feel safe and comfortable around it, the less it'll be something that actually gets yeah. in the way. So I completely agree. And do you do some meditation or visualization? Uh, for those who are not familiar with visualization, it's a mental training technique that 
has been shown to improve athletic performance. And I know it might seem like a woo-woo thing, but visualization is actually widely accepted among Olympic athletes and high performer. So basically, you picture yourself performing the task, whether it's, I don't know, athletic or maybe a big presentation. And you imagine the full picture from start to finish and you employ all your senses and you create and recreate in your mind the experience of your future desired outcome. Absolutely, especially as a goaltender where for me, the mental aspect of the game is huge because there's only one goalie on the ice. And when you get scored on, your mistakes get split on the scoreboard. But when the players make a mistake, you're there to kind of hopefully make sure that there's nothing on the scoreboard, right? So for us, our mistakes are directly uh, posted. So I think that there needs to be that mindset of being able to calm yourself down, kind of be able to kind of foster that perfect mindset of be able to be calm, but also being very aggressive at the same time. There's a lot of visualization for me involved. And I mean, truthfully, there has to be in order for me to stay calm or else it'd be far more stressful and far more difficult to actually perform. So there's a lot of visualization before and after performances. Um, there's a lot of yoga, right? Breathing. Breathing for me is a huge thing. Uh, recently, I've learned a lot about breathing. And I think that's something that is very underdone. Um, the idea of being able to breathe and control your breathing, I think is something that, again, is something that should be discussed so, 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 so much more because there's huge benefits to it. And that is a whole freaking um, podcast in itself just because it's absolutely unreal, the idea of breathing. And it's, yeah definitely under discussed. Oh, I'm a big, big, big fan of breath work. And I mean, I don't do it as much as I would like to do it. I'm not very disciplined. But what I realize is that this focused breathing really helped me release stress and body tension. I'm curious to know if you're familiar with manifesting, uh, if you use it also to build a strong mental game. Absolutely. I do a lot of manifestation and I do a lot of visualization. And I think especially since the COVID years, and for me, I had to get ankle surgery last year, which took me out for a lot of games. And I think through all that, had I given up on the whole idea of manifesting that one day I'll be able to perform at my best, one day I'll be back and one day I'll, you know, get to live out all these experiences that I'm dreaming about. I think if I hadn't done that, I would have had no kind of sense of reality of that being a possibility. And I'm huge on manifesting because I think you put really good energy into the world and the world is an amazing thing where what you give is what you get. And I think whenever I put all my energy out there, when I really give it my all, there's something positive that's going to come back in return. And I think without that, I would definitely be a wreck. And I think that <laughs> I really don't need that. Um, but truthfully, it's also a part of me that, um, you know, I give myself something to look forward to. And without dreams, without goals, I don't think there's much of a structure or much of a path to your life. So without those manifestation or without those goals or dreams set in front of you or without visualizing yourself being able to live out those dreams, I think there's a big lack in those goals in your path. So for me, it's definitely something that is very, very present in my development. I visualize myself in those shoes. So say one day I say I want to be in the Olympics in 2026 in Italy. I see myself there. I visualize myself there with my teammates. I visualize myself in that aspect with my family, with whatever it might be, I very much so see myself mm -hmm. there because I see it as being a possible reality and not so much a scary goal or a scary option or possibility for me one day. So I think that's how I visualize it. It's just I, 
I very much so see myself wearing the gear, wearing the jersey and all that stuff. And that's how I manifest it. Marlene, thank you so much for joining me. I love this talk. I could spend hours talking about manifesting, visualization and all of these things. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love to speak anything that has to do with helping the next generation and helping the current generation as well. So thanks for having me on. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to Marlene. And you know what? I'm not just saying this. I absolutely loved this chat. I mean, I'm pretty much a self-confessed manifesting, visualizing and meditating junkie. So now I'm feeling very inspired to visualize everything for my future. So if you had as much fun as we did, show us some love and hit that follow button. See you next time.